Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about the subject of divorce and remarriage, and I was talking about the fact that in many cases, people look for a way to be declared to be the victim. People are looking for a way to be declared to be a victim in order to justify their condition. If their spouse divorces them, then some people will take the position or the posture that they need to find some way to declare themselves to be the victim in this circumstance, in this case, because if they don't, they know full well that there are many people in the society that they are a part of who will not consider them to be acceptable. They just simply will not accept an individual who has been divorced or who has divorced their spouse who wasn't the victim in that situation, in that circumstance. You know, it's very unusual when I speak with people who are divorced, it's very unusual to encounter someone who will just simply say something that sounds like this. They won't say, I failed. They won't say that. People are unwilling to admit failure. This doesn't mean that they gave their spouse a reason to divorce them. It doesn't have to mean that. It can simply mean I failed to find a way to keep the marriage together. I failed to find a way to make my spouse happy. I failed to find a way to continue to live with this person, and so I divorced them. People are unwilling to just simply acknowledge that they failed, that they tried to do something and they were unable to do it for whatever reason, either because somebody else made a decision or they made a decision. Folks, I want you to consider this. If you are an individual who has been divorced, whether you are the person who was divorced by your spouse or you divorced them, whoever initiated it, or even if it was just a mutual agreement, whatever that looked like, I want you to consider just simply acknowledging that you failed. Because if you won't do that, I don't think that you can really move on. I really don't. I don't believe that you will ever be able to come to terms with that and be able to begin your life again. It will always be there. It will always be there with you. There will always be unresolved problems that will haunt you in such a way that you will never be able to get past them and they will infect all aspects of your life continually until you are able to sit down and accept the fact that you failed. Regardless of the degree of failure, whether you failed a little and they failed a lot or you failed a lot and they failed a little, who cares? Just simply say that you tried and you failed, that you were committed and you couldn't keep your commitment for whatever reason. 
People instead are desperate, absolutely desperate, to find a way to be declared the victim because they are more concerned about society. They are more concerned about the people around them than they are about themselves. And what I mean by themselves is I mean you need to be concerned about yourself in the sense of living in the truth, living in reality, living in the fact that you are responsible for your own life between you and your God. There is no confusion. There is no deception. There is nothing hidden. And he loves you because of what he has done. He accepts you because of what he has done. He is not going to reject you because of your failure, because of your sin. He has provided forgiveness for whatever sin exists in your life. And if you will not acknowledge your personal failure, then you will never be able to embrace him and his forgiveness for whatever sin or failure may exist in your life. So this is a very important subject with regards to being the victim. You must try to find a way to escape being the victim. Do not use the scriptures in that way. People look at the scriptures in such a way that they are trying to find the exception. They're trying to find the escape clause. They're trying to find a way out of their relationship that they are in, or they are trying to find a way to justify getting remarried. You know, don't use the scriptures for that purpose. That's not what they were given for. They were not given for the purpose of personal justification in any capacity whatsoever. They were given in order to deal with circumstances of life. But when it comes to you personally, deep down inside, your beliefs, your attitudes, your being, your peace in your heart, you must escape this notion of victimization in order to embrace your God for who he is and for what he has to truly offer you. Now, having said all of that, I am now going to proceed to examine some passages in the scriptures. Now, I have done this with many people in the past, and I have found that probably the biggest obstacle that people have faced whenever I talk with people about the scriptures related to this subject is that they want me to talk about some other passage and not the one that I'm going to talk with them about. You need to try to overcome that. You've got to overcome the fact that I'm not necessarily going to talk about the scripture passages that you want me to talk about right away. I do intend to go through many passages in the scriptures, have some patience, With regards to that, do not let your desire for me to address some other verse in the scriptures, don't let that desire prevent you from understanding what I'm going to tell you about other scripture passages. Don't just blank out, don't just ignore what I'm saying and wait until I talk about something that interests you. Don't do that. Because if you do that, you're going to escape the fact that this is about the subject. This is about what God has had to say about it. Find some way to put your personal concerns aside in order to deal with the issue, the real issue, which is not about your personal concerns. It is about the subject at hand. Your personal concerns can be addressed, but only after you understand the subject in its entirety. Otherwise, what you will have 
what you will experience will be incomplete. And I don't believe that our God wants us to live in a state of confusion or in a state of incompleteness. I really don't. So I'm going to begin in the law. If we're going to talk about the subject of divorce and remarriage, I believe that the first passages in the scriptures that we should consider are those that are found in the law. When God established the nation of Israel, he established the nation on the basis of what is good and evil. He established the nation on the basis of law. And so this is a good place to begin. It is definitely not the place to end, but it is a place to start. And so I'm going to begin with Exodus chapter 21. This is right after the Ten Commandments that God gave. The Ten Commandments are recorded in Exodus chapter 20. As you continue to read, you get to Exodus chapter 21, and that's where I'm going to start. In Exodus chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. In verse 3, if he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. And then he goes on in verse 5 and says, But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges, he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. I always think about this verse whenever I see some fellow who has his ear pierced. I don't know why. I suppose it's because I've spent so much time reading the law that I can't help but think that maybe this person is probably a slave. I just wanted to mention that because I'm here in this verse. But that's not what I wanted to refer to, really. In these verses, what I want you to see is that there is a circumstance in the law, right here, right after the great Ten Commandments, there is a circumstance where God speaks about marriage and divorce. And in this case, which may not necessarily be the best place to start, but I'm going to start here because I think it is. In this case, we have a declaration by God that a divorce is required. So, if a divorce is required by God, what are the implications? What are the implications of discovering that God requires a divorce to occur. Well, there are some huge implications. Do your best. Try not to go too far in terms of what you might be thinking right now. Don't start going off into all kinds of different trails of thought. 
thinking about the consequences of what may happen if there is a circumstance where God in the law, in the scriptures, right next to the Ten Commandments, says that he demands, that he requires a divorce occur. What is that going to say? What is that going to do to people's theology and beliefs? What are the consequences related to that? Try to control yourself. Do your best not to think about those things right now. Please try to focus on these verses at hand right now. Try very hard. I know this can be very difficult for some people. And so I wanted to mention that because you're probably thinking about all of these different things right now. Don't do that. Pay attention. This is the situation. The situation is is that a man finds himself in a circumstance where he is unable to take care of himself for whatever reason. It might be due to his failure or somebody else's failure. There are circumstances that can occur in life that can put a person in a situation where they need someone else to help them. So in order to do that, a person may subject themselves to another person's household, to another individual as a servant, as a slave. And in this case, it says in the law that he can do that for six years, but on the seventh, he's going to have to go free and pay nothing. If this occurs, if this is the situation, and while you are there in this person's household, you marry, that's what it says, you marry a woman in that household. If you do that, if a marriage occurs, even if you have children with this wife, when your time is up, you leave and you don't take your wife with you. You don't take your children with you. In this circumstance, in this description, God says that the ownership that the master has over his servant, the girl or woman in this context, who is in his household, who is his servant, who is his slave, she remains his. That slavery and ownership in this context is considered to have higher precedence, according to God, than marriage. And so if the man wishes to leave, he can leave. But God requires that he divorce this woman and leave his children behind. Please consider the implications of this for just a moment. For example, there are people who will take the position that God will never permit Divorce. There are people who take this position who will say that there is never any circumstance, there is never any situation that God would endorse or suggest that divorce would be acceptable in any way at all. Well, the only way, in my opinion, that somebody can say something like that, the only way is if they do not know the scriptures. They do not know the law of God. And this is reasonable. I understand this. I know many pastors who do not know the law. I know many Christians who do not know the law. You know, they might memorize Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. They might memorize the Ten Commandments. But then that's it. You know, don't go past verse 17. If you get to verse 18, you've gone too far. Leave that alone, and God forbid that you might go a few more verses down into the next chapter and read verses 1 through 5. Don't do that, because you might read something like this, and then what are you going to do? The point is, is that 
there is a tremendous amount of ignorance in the world, in the Christian world, a tremendous amount of ignorance. And it's my opinion that it's deliberate. I really do believe that in many cases people will deliberately ignore the scriptures. And the reason why is because I know people who have read through this and they have deliberately ignored it, deliberately rejected it. And of course, there are many reasons why people would do that. There are many justifications that people can give, you know, things like, well, that was the old covenant. We now live under the new, you know. There is a lot that I can say about that, and I'm not going to do that in this program because that's not the purpose of it. We can talk about this for days, for weeks. All I want to do is read the verse and point out the fact that here is a situation, here is a circumstance where God requires divorce, where he demands that a divorce has to occur. If it does not occur then from his point of view, it is a violation of the law of Moses. It is evil. Now, I personally don't know of anyone who is in this kind of a situation. And I don't expect to know anyone who will ever be in this kind of a situation. And so I personally don't expect to be in a position where I will be asked about this kind of a scenario. And I don't think that there will ever be a need in order to invoke or officiate some kind of a divorce because of this kind of a situation. I don't expect to ever be confronted with this. My purpose for reading this is to just simply point out that from God's point of view, he does give a situation, he does give a circumstance where he requires, he mandates, he declares by law that a divorce must happen. And it's only because a person wants to be free. That's all wants to be free in the context that they subjected themselves as a slave to another man's household, and after six years they decide that they want to be free. But there's more. If you keep reading, continue to read down to verse 10. If he takes, referring to another man, if he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if he does not, Do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. In Exodus chapter 21, verses 10 and 11, the Lord declares that in this circumstance, in the situation when a woman is married to a man, and there's, of course, a lot to be said about the other things that are in this verse, but I'm not going to focus on those right now. They're not pertinent to the issue at hand. If a woman is married to a man and he does not provide her with food, clothing, and marital rights, and this refers to sexual intimacy, if he does not provide her with these three things, obviously an adequate supply, if he does not do this, then she has the right to divorce him. She can leave without giving him any compensation in return. She can just simply go out and start a new life, either by going back to her family or by beginning a life on her own. However she decides to do that, she can divorce her husband. So in Exodus chapter 21, we have two specific examples right here, right at the beginning of the chapter, where God speaks about divorce. And because he speaks about divorce, we should know what he has to say about it. In the first circumstance, he gives 
a situation where he would require that a divorce occur. And in this other circumstance, he declares that there is a situation where a woman can divorce her husband without any consequences being imposed on her at all. That if she wants to leave her husband, she can do that. Now, you can look at this and you can say, well, there's all kinds of wonderful loopholes. You know, if he doesn't provide me with the clothing that I want, with the food that I want, I can leave him just because of that. Well, perhaps that's true. Maybe you can make a case before the Lord if he questions you about it. You could probably speak to him in this way and deal with the subject at hand in that context. Or marital rights. You know, this can be very simple as well. You should know if you are married, if you are a woman and you are married to a man, you should know that there are things that you can do, there are things that you cannot do, there are things that you can say that will so disgust your husband that he will have no interest in being physically intimate with you at all. You probably have figured that out. And so all you have to do is do that often enough, and then you can declare that he is not providing you with your marital rights, and then you can use that as a legitimate cause to divorce him. You can work out the situation, you can work out the circumstances, so that you can declare yourself to be the victim, and then you can get out. Now, I'm not saying these things in order to provide a woman, to provide a wife with an excuse, with a way to get out of her marriage, according to the law, according to the law of Moses. You know, whenever you want to talk about sin, for example, it's helpful to understand that sin cannot be really identified without finding a law that declares that it's sin and the punishment that would be invoked upon an individual who commits sin. You cannot have sin without a law. It's a very important principle. It's throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament. You must have a law in order to declare sin. So if we have a law that allows a person to divorce, then we have a situation where in this circumstance, divorce is not sin. And there are many ways that these circumstances can either occur naturally or you can maybe, you know, help them along. Now, if you are in a circumstance where you feel you need to help things along or you need to manipulate your spouse in such a way, you need to abuse them in such a way that you can then claim to be a victim, I personally believe that that is an act of sin. I really do. I believe that that's living in a deception, that's living in a lie, that is living in a way where you You, personally, are trying to get somebody else to commit a sin so that you can justify yourself. That, to me, is evil. And I believe that if the Lord is going to keep track of anything, that that's something he would definitely keep track of. So if you want to live on the basis of whether or not God is going to give his approval or disapproval, you think about that. You think about the consequences of intentionally doing things to hurt someone so that they will hurt you in return. What kind of a life is that? What kind of a person are you to do such a thing to somebody? If you're going to do that to your spouse, have mercy on them and be responsible for what you want and don't drag them down into some situation or condition such that you can claim to be a victim, so that you can justify your desire to get out of the situation you're in. The description that we have here in Exodus chapter 21, verses 10 and 11, this situation, to me, 
just simply says that if a woman wants to divorce her husband, there's a way to do it. You can do it. You don't have to worry about it. You can always claim one of these things and you have a way out. You don't have to justify anything. You don't have to hurt your husband over it. You don't have to find some way to financially destroy him so that he can't provide you with food and clothing. You don't have to do those kinds of things. Just leave. You know, just leave. That's to me what it says here in Exodus chapter 21. So women were not considered to be slaves in the context that people usually want to think of when they think about the scriptures and the law and what it was like to be an Israelite wife to an Israelite husband, you know, that he had the right to divorce her under any circumstance and she could never divorce him under any circumstance. It wasn't that way. Here, I can show you right here in the scriptures that God makes a provision. Now, the purpose of this is, of course, not to just give some woman a way out. It's just simply to recognize that if a woman is having trouble finding food and clothing and she's not getting any reasonable marital intimacy, which, believe it or not, is important to at least some women, if that's not happening, then God is merciful. God is merciful to her. He will say, listen, if if you are not getting your needs, your basic physical needs met through this husband, then leave. He's not requiring her to stay in a relationship of pain and suffering. He's not requiring that of her. And the same thing for a man. He doesn't require people to stay in a relationship of pain and suffering where they're worried about being able to eat or have clothing or these other things. He wants people to be married. I'm sure about that. But at the same time, marriage is not for the purpose of causing suffering and it's not for the purpose of making people slaves. It's for the purpose of people having a relationship with each other. It's for the purpose of people being able to work together, to build a life together. But if that's not happening, then you don't have a marriage. And so let's just simply acknowledge that. It doesn't exist. That's what he says here in Exodus chapter 21. So please recognize this point, that a woman who is married is not a slave. And here in Exodus chapter 21, he gives us the description of a person who can leave a marriage and is not required to give any compensation to her husband. A woman can leave the marriage under these conditions and is not required to compensate her husband for what he provided her before, for the food, the clothing, and the relational experience that she got to enjoy. She does not need to compensate him. She is free. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you, man.